When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. Now I'm I am going to continue the Seven Goblin series, but there's a, there there is there's a little adventure in the Goblin Claw Inn that I have to do first. This just happens to be the adventure that 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 was already done. I released my very first podcast about Seven Goblins Part 6. You know that shield on the wall? Well, it's not there yet. I have got to put it there. Yes, I've got to go to the Goblin Claw Inn. It's in South Dodge Glen in the Heart Hills. Yes. Yeah, anyway, he's, he's got the same description. Same description on the first page, uh, at the outside, that it had when we did Seven Goblins Part 6, which was with a different character, with with Woot. Now I and Zoop, and Zoop hasn't done it yet. The interior of the Goblin Chlorine is as much disrespair as the notorious wham establishment's Wamsack exterior. Despite the squalid state of the inn's common room, it is crowded with patrons coming with food, drink, and the attention of a half dozen servants that are scurrying about. A blazing fire at one end of the long room casts its flitting orange light over everything within. Its warm, soothing glow almost makes you oblivious to the wankers' din and unpleasant odours that continuously assail. So your sense is two cross swords was hanging over the wall above the mantel. Oh, what's this? There's an observation link. Top of the mantel is cluttered with a disparate assortment of items, including several empty, empty ten cards. Go back. Behind the swords, the wooden planks that make up the wall are slightly discoloured in an area that is distinctly in the shape of a large shield. Right, I'm going to take a seat in the calm room first. Suddenly, a group of four men turn around the table to, to a white. Well, the table to your white burst into laughter. You turn to find the men are looking straight at you. Each of the men bears a sword and is clad in leather armour. Immediately suspect the four men are likely mercenaries, perhaps on their way to enter into the service of paint fame providence with it. How about fetching us more ale? shouts one of the men, pounding the table with his fist, <coughs> while pointing at you with his other hand. Go on, now, and have, have them frothing! I, I just knocked something down, it's not a big deal. You momentarily totally taken aback by the man's bravado and simply return his gaze with an icy, challenging glare. Oh, my sincere pardon, friend, he says mockingly. You're not a wench. You just happens to look a bit like one. Now fetch us those ales! The three, three other men at the table burst into laughter and hurl a few unsavoury words at you. A patron scrolls by, poor, passing between you and the four men at the table. As he does, he turns to look directly when he shakes his head slowly. 
certainly warning you against getting involved with the uncouth group. So I could decide to teach this uncouth lot some manners, or I could pay them no heed. I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna pay them no heed, I'm gonna be passive-aggressive. The four men jeer at your back as you turn to leave, accusing you of being a coward. Suddenly, at the corner of their eye, you spot a grey-haired man approaching the table. He waves his hand at the four men, and they immediately disperse and leave the inn. You turn to your side, sort of staring at a relatively young man. A man with long grey locks spilling down his shoulders. He is clad in a clay, sh- clay shirt, chain shirt, <laughs> clay shirt, would be weird. And a dark blue cloak. He nods at you and apologises for the conduct of the four men. The young grey-haired man introduces himself as Zalthua and again apologises for the actions of the four men. You return the introduction, he tells you that the four men are mercenaries in his employ, that you will have no further trouble for them. I thank you also for sparing them, Zoop, he says, eyeing closely. You look as if you can certainly handle yourself. They're an unsavory lot, to be sure, but I hired them for a purpose for which they are well suited. You casually inquire what that person might be, but the young man seems unwilling to discuss it. Perhaps I'll see, see you here again. I often stop in on my way through these parts. Hope your travels are kind. Farewell. As he leaves, you notice his fingers bear a total of four glistening wings. As you watch Zazuza make his way across the crowded common room and out of the inn, a strange feeling comes over you. You sense this is not the last time you set eyes upon this young, grey-haired man. Okay, so, talk room again. You sit in the table in front of the fireplace, gasping in the glow of the warring blaze as your eyes wander about the common cloud. Okay, there's only one adventure here. It's called the Blood Code. Now, anyhow, I think it's time to speak to the barkeep. Because barkeeps usually know what's going on. Meet Grutzmill. You find Grutzmill on the far side of the inn's common room, working to sweep a large pile of dirt out the back door. And you, how do you like you be? He says, forced bizarre. And more importantly... What do you want from me? Despite his less than friendly introduction, you enter yourself and are soon engaged in a rather spritted and intriguing conversation with the tall, thin innkeeper. In the course of a long conversation that wanders across a wide array of subjects, from the hardship of owning and operating at the end to the kingdom's political landscape, you learn that Brodsmoor can be both talkative and informative. Out of curiosity, you mention, make mention of this coloured shield-shaped spot you know, just above the fireplace mantel, and watch as the innkeeper's eyes narrow. A prize piece, long missing, he says, sighing heavily as he gazes at the heavy spot on the bottom mantel. The shield was my brother. Those were his swords too, crossed up there on the wall. It was an adventure in his younger days, took possession of most of his things upon his passing, Though I dare say I should never have moved the shield into the cellar. He offered quotes me your sympathy over the laughing partner, but he dismisses your kind gesture with a frown. Many years back it was. He was a fool, and he died as fools do. I don't care to even speak to him. Still, it would be nice to have that shield back up there. Asking what's become of the shield after it was moved into the cellar, as Jesse previously stated. So there's nothing to become of it. He says, warning his eyes. Moving into cellar years ago when we built this room. Still there, somewhere. Thing is, there's not one man in earshot who will step down into that cellar. At least, not into the old cellar. The one that's shut off behind behind the three doors. Gonna put a fourth one, too, mind. Since he is waiting you first about the old cellar, you do so. Just a bit of trouble with the old cellar, really. Think this whole place was built on the back of some old cave, or so it seems. The old cellar's corn with all sorts of nasty creatures. Bugs half as big as a man in some cases. It's a pit full of ver- burning and I'm not that I'm not that I'll not ever be venturing into. You learn that shortly after Grutz and moved into the old cellar several years back, discovered that the dank 
The corridors of the inn were home to a foul assortment of dangerous creatures, mostly large and carnivorous insects. But if they're carnivorous, what are they eating? Because you, you can't have... Ecosystems don't work like that. Carnivores have to eat something. They can't just sit around for thousands of generations waiting for some someone to blunder in so they can eat them. I assume, I assume that maybe there's a whole load of small non-carnivorous insects that we don't notice. Or which are mostly hiding whenever we turn up. It could be that, could be that. Highball beetles, beetles and the sliverers, he says frowning. But I'm sure there's more than that crawling around down there. It's already closed off by a door, but I added two more right behind it. The last door I put up is a great slab of iron. I'll be adding another one of those before too long. Intrigued by Gritzmill's description of the sealed off old cellar, curious as to what as to what the source of the horror infestation might be. Gascomies considered having anyone try tackled on the very least. We sweep the shield he seems to prize so much. Well, that brings me to a proposition I was going to make you, Zoop, he says, as, as an unintentionally sly smirk rise across his moves forms on his fit lips. You look like the adventurous sort, if you don't mind me saying so. If you would fetch the shield out of the old cellar, I'll make it worth your while. Before you can respond, Grootsmer reaches into his pocket and produces a plain gold wing which he holds out to show you. The unidentified plain gone wing. This is the wing that was given to you by Gutsman, not yet. The innkeeper of the Goblin Chlorine told you the wing was given to you by Sutha, a mage who stays at the inn from time to time. will not tell you why Zavrotha gave him the wing. There are no markings of any kind on the thin, on the thick band of this plain gold wing. It was given to me a while back to a man who stops in here quite often. Zorstra is the name he goes by, I believe, though I doubt it's truly his name. Many folks don't seem seem to like tossing their will or names about in a place like this. Oh, I've never seen it doing the harm in it. Told me it was a magical wing. Pangol band, resting in the Gertzman's upturned band, hand bears no markings of any kind. Well, very least I could sell it. So... So he says, as he withdraws the wing and stuffs it back into his pocket. The proposition I want to make make you is a simple one. Fetch me the shield in the old cellar, and you can have the wing. For a moment you are silent as you ponder the innkeeper's proposition. Mind you, I'll have my gilbarn seen to it, as he's quite the adventure himself. But he's gone and hurt his foot. Chased off an ogre on the edge of a glen just the other day, you know. One ogre? <laughs> You call that an adventurer? And it lived? <laughs> Agreed to retrieve the shield for Grootsmill. Grootsmill claps his hands together and grins upon your acceptance of his preposition. He glances around, shouts for Gloria to mind the calm room, and then leads you into a room at the back of the inn. There. He unbolts and pulls open a heavy wooden, wooden lap. Latch in the middle of the door and climbs down a sturdy ladder. As the abyss peers into what is presumably cellar, he waves at you to follow him below. Carefully descend the ladder. At the bottom of the ladder, you follow the innkeeper along a short passage that ends in a tall iron door. The surface of the door bears no so notable signs of corrosion, leading you to believe that it's only been recently set into place. The next words out of Goodsmore's mouth confirm his suspicions. Just a couple of weeks back for this one, he says, slapping the surface of the front of a portal. This is the first of three doors. There'll still be a fourth. I'm not one for taking chances. Yeah, yeah, as if he knows. He probably knows where all the other tavern keepers, monsters are always getting into pubs. Suddenly, softly at first, it'll become progressively louder and more pronounced. You can hear what sounds like scratching or skiffing or scuffling from somewhere beyond the heavy door. You cast a questioning glance at Goodsnow. He returns the look with a slow, wide-eyed nod. You'll be earning every bit of that wing by going there, he says. He obviously retracting his hand from an iron door. Past these three doors lies the old cellar, 
and somewhere in there is my brother's shield. I don't dare even unbolt these doors, but then, never been one for adventure. Not like my son Gibbon, not like you, also I've come to believe. With that, Gunsmall turns away from the door, stacks you on the back and tells you to follow him up to the inn. You take one more look at the iron stab, from behind which the scuffling noises can still be heard, before, before turning and following the innkeeper out of the cellar. You can go back down there any time you like, says Gertzmoll, as he closes and bolts the hatch that leads down into the cellar. She could be anywhere in the cellar, and I call her, I left it somewhere along the main passage. At least I believe I did. You tell Gertzmoll that you do your best to retrieve the shield. Maybe you can discover something about the problem that seems to have taken root in the cellar of his inn. He thanks you, but it's quick to tell you the retrieval of the shield is all that's required. I advise you to search Quick as you can, and be out of there of life and limb, says with an admonishing glance. Uh, you must take care to close those doors behind yourself. Don't need anything worse worse up here than already comes through the front door. You nod, and with that, the tall, thin innkeeper, tall, thin innkeeper, hurries off to tend to just one of the many pressing tasks that require his attention. With your, with your thoughts still on the cellar, particularly the scuffling sounds behind the iron door, you follow him out, out into the common room. Alright. He hoped you would soon find the shield in the cellar beneath, beneath the inn and return to Goodsmoke. Okay, go down into the cellar. You slip into the back room of the inn that provides access to the cellar. And draw back the bolt that holds the heavy wooden hatch closed. You lift the weighty hat, swiftly down, climb down the sturdy ladder behind you. You reach off the, off the bottom of the ladder and set off along the short passage that leads to the iron door. You stand at the end of a short passage before a heavy iron door. The first of three doors that separate this part of the inn cellar, or what Guzmore calls the old cellar. As you stand in the shadowy corridor, the faint sound of scratching and scuffling from behind the doors reaches your ears. In the lonely and dark inn cellar, it is the most unsettling to open the doors, but close be them behind me. Slowly and cautiously, you draw back the bolts and open the three successive doors that separate this part of the cellar from the old cellar. Before opening the last door, a rotting maple slab, you listen carefully for any sound on the other side to indicate imminent peril. For nearly a minute of silence, you will be certain that there is nothing lurking in the passage beyond. With your heart pounding, you pull open the door, revealing a broad, shadowy corridor. Something stirs in the darkness just beyond the open door. Suddenly, the shadows in front of the door, uh, front of the open door, seem to come alive as dark, menacing shapes loom out of the gloom and scuttle rapidly towards you, quickly finding yourself face to face with a hideous collection of fearsome ver vermin. Vermin and infest the old cellar. I fight an oozing beetle. What is an oozing beetle? These black shell beetles, slightly larger than a dog. Although that's not really helpful. Dogs come in so many different sizes. I mean, if it's slightly lar larger than a Scots Terrier, not that scary. But if it's slightly larger than than a German Shepherd, oh boy, that's an issue. It's a, it's a Slightly larger than the dog? What does that even mean? Although maybe, I guess... I guess the Kennel Club hasn't got to the world of Swift yet. And, uh, and made all these stupid, 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 horrible, awful dog breeds that that just make the dogs die horribly. You know, like the King Charles Spaniels, who's... Brain is too small, small, too small for their big for their skull. And there's there's those dogs that have just way too much. They have just way too much face for their skull, and they got all these these big floppy flaps all over the place, which just end up stuffed with disease. Or chihuahuas who are just so angry. I used to be a wolf. They say, I used to be a wolf, and now I'm tiny and mostly hairless. 
I used to be a wolf. Yeah, like like that. Yeah, well, soon we've got more. Soon dogs haven't gone. They haven't got crazy, so I assume the dogs are, I don't know, mealy size. I'm going to say gold with golden retrieverish size, because that, that seems to be about the size that dogs default to when you're not when you're not playing silly buckers. When you're not playing God and trying to trying to make something which should not exist. But does because the kennel clubs are gone. Ah, uh, the kennel clubs, the kennel, kettle, kennel, kennel, yeah, whatever I said, they're horrible people. Maybe they have relaxed their standards a bit recently, but still, who's a thick, foul-smelling yellow slime? Okay, well, I'm gonna fight it anyway. I'm not sure how big it is, but even if it's just slightly larger than a chihuahua, it's too big. <laughs> that, that's what we're going for. The oozing beetle thrusts its horn at me. Okay. 2xp. You step past the pile of insect remains at your feet and stare along the gloomy corridor that leads to the old in-cellar. Nothing stirs in the darkness. See, it's a gloom of the old cellar. Okay, we're on the, we're on the map. Yeah, as you... You stand at the threshold of the goblin inn's old cellar. Behind you is a decaying wooden slab. The first of three successive doors that serve to separate this part of the cellar. From that, which leads, to, which leads up to the inn. And yes, the main corridor of the old cellar disappears into the gloom. It's amazing that you can have a cellar so big under just one pub. Well, yeah, we're in. But still, it's really huge. I guess maybe, maybe his his inn was built was built on something that was a bit more substantial back in the old days, because. Honestly, mo, mo, uh, I think a lot of inns, they have a lot of history. Well, that's inns in Europe, anyway. Most of them, they, a lot of them go back to medieval times. Of course, if you're in, if you're in North America, you'll probably be lucky if, you're, if, you're, if your pub's a hundred years old. Because um, things happened... And all the history older than that is, um, well, things, things occurred. And they didn't have pubs, the pre, in pre-settler times. I don't, well, nothing, nothing was, well, they probably had buildings that were equivalent to pubs and in the tellers, but they wouldn't, but nothing that we would look at and say, yeah, that's a pub. Look, it's got crazy crap on the wall. It's got booze. It's got unhealthy bar snacks. There are people playing darts. And there's that one guy in the corner who really doesn't like foreigners. Even though he is foreign. <laughs> but he doesn't know it. Perhaps. Anyway. So... And the overtelling and the overpowering sense of decay assails your senses to cautiously make your way through the gloomy corridors of the old inn cellar. The sound of things scuttling in the dark, just beyond the range of your light, serve a constant reminder of the peril that infests this place. Okay, let's see. So, okay, I'm going to go up the northwest passage. Oh, it's two highball beetles. Uh, yep. Yeah, those have a description. I'm not going to read that now. You're just going to have to check out the Swift Law book. Because, well, if I read every description that came up in every episode, episode rather than things that are, un that are unique and pertinent to this episode, 
I could I would spend hours every episode reading descriptions. And really, that, that might be fun to listen to, but you'd be but reading the second one, the third one, you don't want to hear over and over again. Right, so there's a question mark coming here. The moment you step into this section of the passage, you become aware of the fact that the walls and ceiling are crawling with highball beetles, the large group of vile insects swarming the corridor. They surge before you, seeking to feast upon the flesh of the unwary, like bearing creature that entered their lair. In a matter of moments, the vicious swarm will be upon you. I'm going to hold my ground and face this hideous swarm. You bravely hold your ground against the first wave of highball beetles. It's four of them. They snap at me. Alright, continue facing them. You step back from the using remains at your feet 2xb and assume a defensive stance. The passage still swarms with highball beetles. Face them once more. Bravely hold your ground against the second wave. Four more highball beetles. The highball beetles snap at you with their powerful pincers. Alright, there's another wave coming. It's the third wave. Four more. How many beetles can you fit in this cellar? Only a handful of beetles remain in this passage now. Fight the remaining swarm. It's the fourth wave. Five of them this time. I have slain this foe. You wipe the sweat from your brow and step back to admire your handiwork. Using remains of the swarm of highball beetles lie strewn about the passage before you. Testament to both your bravery and remarkable combat prowess. And the quality of my equipment. After taking a few moments to catch your breath, you once again prepare to set off along the cellar corridor. Ooh, it's three highball beetles. Oh yes, and in this corner, 2xb... What and wooden shelves line the walls of this cellar passage? Alright, I'm coming up to a question mark at the end. The, ce- the cellar corridor you're following rises at a dead end. Against the wall ahead of you sits a large pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. The sense of decay, the stench of decay is strong here. You're about to step forward and investigate the pile when something large suddenly emerges from the fetid heap. You fall back and draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a massive Hylor beetle washes down from the rotting mound and attacks. I fight the massive Hylor beetle. I fight it hard. The massive Hylor beetle snaps to with his deadly pincers. Not, 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 not that deadly. Well, not for me, anyway. You have slain it, anyway. 36 XP. The massive Hylor beetle shudders violently before collapsing into a mangled heap at the base of the rotting mound it inhabited. You take a moment to catch your breath following the brutal melee, before turning turning your attention to the festering heap. Curious as to what might, might, you might find tucked into what was apparently the nest of the slain harbour, you search through the pile, pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. Towards the bottom of the pile, naturally... You discover a small quantity of gold, 38 gold. Despite your efforts to turn up nothing else of interest, you wipe away when it was a heap still clinging to, clinging to you and prepare to once again set off on your way through the cellar. Okay. Yep, alright, that's done with the north, northwest, now the southwest. The, wa- the walls and floor in this part of the cellar are thick with grey mould. Presume that's what the bugs are eating, either directly or indirectly. The eerie sound of scuttling fills the passage, and a welcome sight looms out the shadows again. It's a slivering menace. This large, many-bellied insect actually proposes itself along the ground by slivering on its scaly un- underbelly. Its powerful mandibles are capable of crushing bone. Well, to make sure they don't crush my bone. Yep, in Mokum's sight, the many-legged foe roars up and attacks. Stainless foe, 2xb. Checking over my equipment, then I move on. It's a big pile. 
The moment you step in, into this section of the landscape, you become aware of the fact that the walls and ceiling are crawling with slivering menaces. The large group of vile insects swarm into the corridor and surge towards you, seeking to feast upon the lair, the flesh of the wary, light-bearing creature that has entered their lair. No matter what moments, the vicious swarm will be upon you. Alright, then I will face them. First wave is three slivering menaces. And they're down. Alright, now I'm going to earth that's five XP. Next wave, five slivering menaces. And the many wicked foes leer up and attack. The many, many legged foes leer up and attack. There are many legs, and there are many of them. There's a large number still left. Four slivering menaces. Alright, only a handful left now. Three slivering messages. And that, I think, will finish it off. Menaces. Five XP. Yep, you wipe the sweat from your brow and step back to admire your handiwork. The oozing remains of a swarm of slivering menaces lie strewn about the passage before you. Testament to both your bravery and remarkable combat prowess. After taking a few moments to catch your breath, you once again prepare to set off along the along the cellar corridor. Ooh. Four slivering menaces just attack me at random as the eerie sound of scuttling fills the passage as an unwelcome sight looms out of the shadows ahead. Okay, and there we are. Those are slain two for five XP. Alright, there's something on the end. Something unseen slivers across, the, across your path in the darkness. What's at the end here? The cellar corridor you're following arrives at a dead end. Against the wall ahead of you sits a large pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. The sense of decay is strong here. You're about to step forward and investigate the pile when something large suddenly emerges from the fetid heap. You fall back and draw yourself into combat-ready stance. Some massive slivering menace rushes down from the rotting mound and attacks. I fight the ancient slivering menace. Hideous, this hideous slewing menace wears up on several of its many legs and strikes at you. It does, and it is slain. 37 XP. The massive slivering menace shudders violently before collapsing it into a mangled heap at the base of the rotting mound it inhabited. You take a moment to catch your breath following the brutal melee before turning your attention to the festering heap. Curious, and I, I dig for it. I find 38 gold tokens. Dismayed that your efforts have turned up nothing else of any value, any interest or value, you swipe a, wipe away where remnants of the heap still cling, cling at you and prepare to once again set off on your way through the cellar. Okay. Now that's two of the passages gone down. Now make back central corridor, now northeast one. Mouldy, half half scotten clasks west against the wall of this section of the cellar. An overpowering sense of sense of decay assailed your senses as you cautiously make your way through the gloomy sorrows of the old in cellar. The sound of things scuttling in the dark just beyond the range of your light serves as a constant reminder of the peril that infests this place. Right. It's armoured scavengers, and these long grey-celled omnivorous beetles have a lengthy curved horn that protrudes from the front of their broad, flattened head. Their shells are extremely hard. There's three of them. I fight. I fight. I fight. I fight. I fight. Five XP. And say, brought drawing up. Drawing up against the question mark, it's... Yep, the moment you step into this section of the cellar, you become aware of the fact that the walls and ceiling are crawling with armoured scavengers. The last, this large group of vile insects swarm into the corridor and surge towards you, seeking to feast upon the flesh of the unweary, light-bearing creature that has entered their lair. In a matter of moments, the vicious swarm will be upon you.
Seriously, what are they all eating? <laughs> Hold your ground and face the hideous swarm. There's some sort of dark magic going on here. There's just lures beetles in from somewhere. I presume that there's probably, I assume there's holes and little channels and underground streams. There's probably other ways into this place other than the cellar door. I mean, there must be. They got they 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 sure as they didn't get through, go through the pub. Or oh, of course, all these things would have tiny tiny lava, and they could get through easy peasy. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. so there's some sort of dark. Oh, here, which just lures the bugs in. And then, then they all start eating each other. And, now, and then they seem to have separated into groups now. Hmm. Okay. First wave, three armoured scavengers. Now, the scavengers thrust their sharp horns at you. They gored me. Oh, dear. Alright, I hold my ground and face the remaining swarm. Another three armoured scavengers. They, they enemy savagely gores me for seven damage. Alright. Gonna keep fighting them. Here's a third wave, here's five of them. Well, and now there isn't. Alright, and now there's just a few left. That's one, four armoured scavengers. Down they go, 5xp. You wipe the sweat from your brow and step back to admire your handiwork. The user remains of the swarm of armoured scavengers lie strewn about the passage before you. Testament to both your bravery and remarkable combat powers. Taking a few moments to catch your breath, you once again prepare to set off along the cellar corridor. Okay, and I'm getting to the end of this passage where... I think there's going to be some sort of really, really big bug. The cellar corridor you're following arrives at a dead end. Against the timber wall, wall ahead of you sits a large pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. The stench of decay is strong here. You have to step forward and investigate the pile when something large suddenly emerges from the fetid heap. You fall back and draw yourself into a combat-ready stance. The massive armoured scavenger washes down from the rotting mound and attacks. It's a fearsome armoured scavenger. It's also big. The armoured scavenger thrusts its sharp horn at me. And it thrusts some more. But I slash. And it is slain. 36 XP. The massive armoured scavenger suddenly vi shudders violently before collapsing into a mangled heap. The base of the motting mound is inhabited. You take a moment to catch your breath following the brutal melee before turning your attention to the festering heap. Curious as to what you might find tucked into what was apparently the nest of a slain armoured scavenger, you have thoroughly searched the pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. Towards the bottom of the pile, naturally, you discover a small quantity of gold. 41 gold. Dismayed your efforts to turn up nothing else of any interest, you wipe away the elements of the heap still clinging to, to you and prepare to once again set off through the cellar. Okay, now there's just one, one, oop, three armoured scavengers. The straggling scavengers. Spent a few hours to get equipment. Yep, man, here we are. Something unseen just slivered across my path. Yes. Ooh, two slivering menaces. Alright, four XP from those. Let's see. Time and again you catch sight of something large moving through the shadows as you explore this part of the cellar. Oh dear. The moment you step in into section this, this section of the passage become aware of the fact that the walls and ceiling are crawling with oozing beetles. A large group of vile insects swarm into the corridor and surge towards you, seeking to feast upon the flesh of the unwary. Like bearing creature that has entered their lair, 
in a matter of moments, the vicious swarm will be upon you. Of course, I have to face them. Three oozing beetles. Now, they seem to be the most... most enterprising, because they were trying to get into the... get into the... the first cellar, and then from there to the pub. And then they would be able to feast... If there was, but there was at least, there's three doors and a hatch in their way. And there's probably at least one competent adventurer in that pub at all times. And there's probably at least two when I'm around. And one who's really competent. Step back from using raise your feet and assume a defensive stance. Still swans with, with, with oozing beetles. Yep, four oozing beetles from the second wave. Three oozing beetles make up the third wave. Only a handful left. It's five oozing beetles. Five XP. You wipe the sweat from your brow and step back to admire your handles. The oozing remains of a swarm of oozing beetles. That's double ooze. Lies strewn about the passage before you, a testament to both your bravery and remarkable combat prowess. After taking a few moments to catch your breath, you want again to prepare to set off along the cellar corridor. Okay, and now to get to the end of this, and whatever big things here, it's probably a giant oozing beetle. The cellar corridor you're following arises at a dead end. Against the wall ahead of you sits a large pile of vegetation and rotting timbers. The sense of decay is strong here. You're about to step forward and investigate the pile when something large suddenly emerges from the fetid heap. You fall back and draw yourself into combat-ready stance as a massive oozing beetle rushes down from the rotting mound. It attacks. It's a large oozing beetle. The oozing beetle husks its throw at me, and I just break into a battle wage and slay it. 36 XP. The massive oozing beetle shudders violently before collapsing into a mangled heap at the base of the rotting mound it inhabited. You take a moment to catch your breath following the brutal melee, before turning your attention to the festering heap. Curious as to what might be tucked into what was apparently the nest of the slain oozing beetle, Thoroughly search the pile of vegetation and watching timbers. While digging through the middle of the hip, your hand strikes something hard. You you clear you swiftly clear away the festering debris that covers the object. Covers the object that 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 you struck with your hand as more and more of the large item becomes visible. You are in a, you're, you are elated to find yourself staring down the badly tarnished surface of an ornate shield. You sweep the shield and examine it closely. There is no doubt in your mind that you have at last found the shield you came down here in search of. Ornate shield view. It's armor shield. It's got an encumbrance of 12 and a melee rating of 1. This ornate shield appears to be more of a decoration than a true instrument of battle. For you have no doubt that this is the shield that Grootsmill has asked you to retrieve. Okay, it's not a very good shield, so yes, I, I will be handing it back. The shield now safely in your possession. You're about to climb down off Yoda's pile of rock when you spot something else further down inside the heap. Digging feverishly, you clear away the remains of the pile in effort to get a clear look at what you glimpsed somewhere near the bottom. Much to surprise, you soon discover... What you saw moments ago is the rounded top of a polished brass hatch set into the dirt of the cellar floor. Despite the festering heap that covered it and the unfavourable conditions in the old cellar, the brass batch bears no tarnish. As you reach out to touch the hatch, it suddenly goes bright white and your hand is forcefully repelled. It seems the powerful, mag- the powerful magic is protecting the weighty brass portal. With no desire to linger here any longer, you take one last look at the hatch before once again setting off on your way with the ornate shield now safely in your possession.
please continue. Yep. Alright. Alright. Much to relief, nothing stirs in the darkness. Looks like something unseen sivers across the path in the darkness. Oh dear. I think there might just be one left. What's at the end here? Nothing? Okay. Okay, I've got the shield. I've cleared out the bugs. It's going to heal just in case because there's something unseen. And I detected something large moving through the shadows. So I want to have the healed up to face that. Yep, to, yep. And now I'm at the entrance, I can leave. Before you can open the first door, something lar long, large and heavy drops out on you from the gloom of the head. You slump to the floor beneath the weaving bulk of a massive carnage crawler. These massive, many-legged insects prowl caves and other dark, dark out-of-the-way places in search of dead and decaying flesh on which to feast. Their circular mouths are feast winged with razor-sharp teeth. Oh dear. This fearsome, giant, many-legged insects rears up, allowing you just enough time to roll free and spring to your feet. You quickly prepare to descend yourself. Defend yourself as the deadly predator surges towards you. Circular, fang-winged mouth stretched wide. Some massive carnage crawler which I fight. The carnage crawler snaps it, snaps its powerful jaws at you. But, nevertheless, it is slain. 69 XP. Nauseating odour widens up from the oozy remains of the carnage crawler. You're about to turn away from the beast's corpse and leave the cellar when you spot a thin, white object protruding from a gaping wound in his bloated abdomen. Closer examination of the object revealed to be a one carved out of bone. Pick up the curious item and decide to take it with you. Phew. This is the thin, cracked bone wand to discover the misusing remains of the massive kind scrawler. You slew in the, in the cellar of the Goblin Claw Inn. With no desire to wait around for something else to arrive, you quickly pass through the three doors, closing each, closing aborting each one behind you. Without looking back, you turn and climb out of the cellar, and promptly return to the crowd, crowded bustle of the inn's common room. The moment you step into the common room carrying the shield, a walkish cheer emerges from the crowd of patrons. Grootsman has made no secret of your effort to retrieve the shield from the cellar. The success of your mission has won you praise and admiration of all present. Grootsman rushes up to you and takes hold of the shield. He smiles then, and then much to surprise, lunges forward and hugs you tightly. I never thought I'd see that again. I truly didn't, he says, shaking his head as he stares at the shield. Well done indeed, Zoop. Yes, yes indeed. Gritsmore immediately hangs the shield back above the mantle, making no effort to remove the grime that encircles it. When you make mention of this gamekeeper, he frowns and tells you he has no intention of claiming it. That's quite, that's quite to the charm of it, he says, standing back and admiring the shield. It's also in keeping, in keeping with the rest of the look, look we, have, we have around here. You cast a quick glance around the decapitated interior of the inn. Can't help but agree. Grismore is also pleased to learn that you have cleared the old cellar of the vermin that infested. He stares at you in wide-eyed amazement as you relate in the details of your victory over the monstrous insects that have turned the, turned the cellar into a lair of rot and peril. When the innkeeper tells you that he still plans to install a fourth door, just in case, you decide not to make mention of the strange brass of the hatch you sold. When the time is right, you plan to return and examine it further. Oh yes, the ring, says Gritsmill, as you make mention of his hearth, Bob Stiller. Yes, well, there you are. You've earned it for certain. You've earned it. Gritsmill produces the gold wing and hands it to you. It's the same wing we looked at earlier. You might have Zeus from a 
and Zatro about it next time he stops in, he says, Holt nodding at the wing, now resting in the pie of your hand. He's likely to know something about it. Seems as he's, he's the one who gave it to me. Come to think of it. I hope he doesn't take offence that I've given it away. Bah! I don't bother about such things. Let's all thank you again. Again for returning the shield. And fetch you a frothing flagon of the, the harsh and bitter house ale before washing off to deal with the scuffle that's broken out between two drunken patrons. You're about to move off and locate an open seat in the common room when you become aware of someone standing at your right, staring directly at you. You turn and find yourself almost face to face with a young man, perhaps no more than twenty years of age, who bears a striking resemblance to Gritsmill. The young man sniffs and scratches his eye, and suddenly realises this must be Gritsmill, Gritsmill's son, who the innkeeper has mentioned to you more than once. That'll be enough of your doing around here, he says, his sniffly gaze wandering as he dresses you in a sniffling tone. I'm the adventurer in that part, and that's not up for dispute. It's handy for you that I've a wounded foot, or I might. Gilbon! The horse is out front, and they're tending! <laughs> the squirrel piercing voice of a woman from somewhere toward the back of the inn cuts through the voice noise of a quiet room and serves to instinctly drain away what little colour there is in the young man's face. He sniffs loudly, turns. Storms off across the room, exiting the tavern through the front door. Your triumphant return with the shields remains a talk of the inn for weeks to come and has earned you a stalwart reputation in respect of nearly every goblin claw patron. Days later, you sit at the long table in front of the fireplace, basking in the orangey glow of its warring blaze, with your eyes fixed on the shield now hanging proudly above the mantel, and your fin- fingers tightly clutching a frothing fragment of the bitter house ale. Despite its ransack appearance and the foul odours that drift through its open wheelers and the rugged, uncouth nature of many of its most frequent patrons, find yourself thinking that perhaps the Goblin Claw isn't such a bad place after all. All things considered. 1,024 experience to general, 64 experience to all skills and powers. And now that's that, that quest done. I'm going to west. But let's go identify that wing. It's the gold wing of Valor. 6 XP to Arcania. Now what, what does it do? Alright, 2 melee rating, 1 stand-up point. This is the wing that was given to you by Grootsman. Inkeeper of the Goblin Clawing. He told you that when it was given to you by Zotra, a mage. Oh, a mage stays the inventory type. Did not tell you why Zotra gave, you, gave him the wing. There are no markings of any kind on the thick band of this plain gold wing. Okay, yeah, and that. And now if we go into the common room. Oh, well, I just went into the common room and something's turned up. Oh, what's this? You're about to take a seat near the fire when your wandering eyes come to rest on a table pushing to the far corner of the common. There, seated with his back to the wall, is an old man, clad in a strange way of colourful but cat-tattered garments. The old man, whose eyes are locked on what appears to be a pair of dice lying in front of him, takes small sips from a half-empty flagon of the inn's notoriously bitter ale. Okay, we've got enough time. Suddenly, the old man raises his head and your eyes beat. You're taken aback when he raises his hand and motions for you to join him. Overcome by curiosity, begin to make your way towards the crowded common. Across the crowded common towards the solitary patron. As you move towards the patron, your eyes are fixed on the old man whose gaze is clearly upon you. You approach by inkeeper who seems... Seems to have guessed your intent and probably warned you about becoming involved with the old man. Mind yourself with him, he says. Nobody in here has ever anything to do with him. He comes and goes frequently enough. Sometimes I don't even see him leave, arrive or leave. He sits there all day when he's there, looking at those dice. 
I don't know if you can see them here, but they're always with him. Now, when he calls for an ale, though, I don't want to turn up, turn down a customer. Just mind yourself. So he goes, well, gives you a funny look. Oh, no, I told you this before. Can't we talk? Talk to almost anyone who comes through here, I suppose. With that, he nods and moves off to tend to one of his many best pressing duties. Bearing in mind Christmas morning, but still eager to satisfy your own curiosity, you make your way over to the old man. As you draw up to the table, he looks up and quickly covers a pair, pair of thrown dice with his left hand. Won't you sit for a while? He says, smiling faintly. You curiously take your seat opposite the old man. He lifts up his left hand and gazes down at the, at the pair of bone dice. He quickly covers them again. No one believes anything I have to say, he says. His thin voice is falling very because They only come here to ask for help. For they desperately need it. And long has it been so, I sit here, waiting. But I believe my wait is now over. You can help, my, my friend. You, you can help them. That's what he's talking about. The man's, the man's eyes narrow, and he lifts his left hand off the set of bone dice. The glancing down at the small white cubes, he quickly covers them. They've been trapped in battle for ages, he says, his ghoulish guys rising to meet your eyes. They are frozen in time, waiting for help. Hope I never dreamed would prove so difficult to find. Had I known the nature of the task also, I might have been content to leave them to their hideous face. Time for such considerations have passed. You can help them. In fact, you must help them. The man removes his hand from the bone dice, revealing them to be marked on each of the thick six sides with small, glittering black dots. A profound, growing sense of unease comes over you as you stare down the pair of bone dice, crying further about the old man's story. The old man grins, revealing a line of jagged, blackened stump. All, all, all that remains of his teeth. Repulsed by the hideous sight, you attempt to look away, only to discover, much to your growing horror, you are no longer controlling your own movement. You have nothing to fear from me, he says, suddenly raising his left hand off the table. Unison with his gesture, the bone dice clatter across the table, coming to waste, rest directly in front of you. Unable to control your hand, you scoop up the bone dice and cast the mark marked cubes on the table. The dice bounce and clatter along the uneven table surface, rolling up to the opposite edge before suddenly reversing courses, tumbling back towards you. Now if I had some dice, I would clatter them across this table for a sound effect, but I don't think I do, so you'll just have to clatter your own dice for the sound effect. That actually that, that that sounds vaguely like an insult. Oh, don't clatter your own dice. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a way to tell someone to bugger off. Oh, you, go clatter your own dice. Yeah, maybe you should say that in the future. Just see what happens. Or maybe not. <laughs> no, I'm not particularly good at social interactions. The bone, the bone dice clatter to the edge of the table, then spin and retreat several inches across the work surface, for at last coming to a rest. To rest and revealing the results of your roll. The total number of black dots on the, on the top sides of the two dice is two. The old man, who's unsettling gaze is fixed on you, doesn't even glance at the dice. Horror and a sense of panic overcome you. Suddenly realise you cannot move. The old man lifts his left hand and the two dice clatter back across the table. Tim, as your surroundings begin to blur. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Your surroundings continue to blur. You quickly become utterly disorientated. Then, just when it seems your vision is coming back to focus, you're suddenly engulfed in total darkness. After only a few moments, the darkness lifts revealing that you are no longer seated at the table in the Goblin Corrie. Instead, you stand in the midst of a blackened, smouldering plain that stretches to the horizon in all directions. Please continue. 
all across the smouldering blackened plain. A gruesome battle wages, countless undead, moving in waves in an endless whirling sea. Press up against a defiant but faltering wall of armoured humans, who appear determined to slow the enemy's encroachment on a distant, crumbling castle. The skeletal legions, the ghoulish sound of their incessant hissing, rising into the smoke-darkened air like the howl of a hungry gale, wind their way around the mounds of carnage as they fiercely engage the vastly outnumbered and beleaguered humans. A sudden sharp hiss serves to remind you that you're standing in the thick of battle. Instinctively, you turn in the direction of sound. Your eyes fall upon a grim scene. Less than two dozen yards from you, a towering skeletal figure, his imposing bone form, draped drape with a tattered remains of a blue cape, is swiftly advancing upon the fallen human. A large yellow gem, glowing faintly, is, is fitted into the iron clamp, clasped in front of, in front of the skeleton's waggy cape. The, f- the fallen human, a young woman, whose bloody face betrays the wicked brutality of the battle that consumes the plane, cries out agony. She struggles to reach a sword several feet to her right. The cape skeleton, its long fleshless fingers, wrapped tightly around the haft of a massive stone double-bladed axe, raises the fearsome weapon in anticipation of dealing its helpless victim a death blow. Without a second thought, compelled as much by an inexplicable sense of duty as your own natural instinct to protect, you rush forward and boldly place yourself between the advancing skeleton and its intended victim. Please go. Standing defiantly in the path of the stalking skeleton, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as you prepare to engage the towering, axe-wielding, undead menace for the Cape Skeletal Champion. And it's it's eight plus, so I'm pretty sure this one is scaled. The, sca- the cape scales trample hisses as he hisses as he hacks it with his massive axe. Alright. Then we need a particularly brutal stroke for thirteen damage. Okay, and uh, it is slain. Thirty nine XP. The cape skeleton. Hissing wildly, staggers backwards and collapses into a heap of tattered bone on the charred ground. The amber-hued gem fitted into the iron clasp of his cape flares brightly for a moment before suddenly going dark. You turn away from the fallen foe, look for human saviour, whose life your, tom- unti- your timely intervention is no doubt undoubtedly safe. Even as you start to pivot, however, your vision rapidly grows dim. A valuing battle cry rising above the falling din of the savage conflict around you. It's the last thing you hear before everything goes black. Alright. 128 experience, Sir General. The darkly lifts. Lifts, and you once again find yourself seated across the table from the leering old man. Those thronging the goblin chlorine's bustling cartoon appear to have taken no notice. Either your sudden disappearance or reappearance. Must you wonder if indeed you ever left the inn. Well done, my brave friends, says the old man, once again exposing the gruesome interior of his rock filled mouth. You will have again you will again have a chance tomorrow, for much remains to be done. I will be here waiting for you. You're about to ask the old man something, but a shock to find he is no longer seated at the table. With your pulse racing, you turn and scour the, the mob that fills the, the inn's calm room. There's no sign of him too fad. Resting on, on the edge of, of the table, in the place he occupied only moments ago, is a single gold token. Grossmore, having just finished arguing about the recent spate of inclement weather, a pair of travellers strolls past the table and promptly scoops up the coin. At least he always pays, says the innkeeper. There's a fair bit more that can be said for some who seem bent on frequenting us with empty purses. Can't say that I know what your game is with him, but if I were in your spot, be sure to mind myself with special care around that strange old bird. With that, he quickly moves off in the direction of Gloria, whose sudden appearance and withering scare, focused on her husband, has obviously served to hasten his step. 
you'll be able to again encounter the old man by returning to the Goblin Goblin Claw tomorrow. Till then, stay safe, particularly in this neck of the woods. Alright, common room go west from that. Go to the common room and we'll see... Ooh. Oh, some, someone new's turned up, but... I think I think we'll explore that next time we do a quest in the Goblin Claw Inn. Right, here's the list of adventures now. We've got a Blood Code, Lift a Box, Seven Goblins Cart 6, which which I've already played and which you can listen to at any time on or the on, on most of the major podcasty places. Probably including this wherever you listen to it now on. Search there. And the Ashen Faces. There we are. So that, yep. Alright, and now I can save. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.